Um, so, um, welcome again to uh, to this session of Radio Days, uh, which will deal with uh, the topic is the one two three of DAB. Um, some of you will have heard quite a lot about that yesterday, but we're going to just pick up, up on the discussion again um, today. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce uh, the De Deputy Minister of Communications, Pinky Kekana, who has graced us with her presence today, and we look forward very much to hear government's view of, of this as, a, as an exciting new technology. Um, the session will be facilitated by Lynn Mansfield, who's chair of SADIBA, the Southern African Digital Broadcasting Association, as well as a member of the steering group of World DAB. Um, and then a panel of international speakers, Jan Jensen, next to the Deputy Minister from Norway, um, um, Darren Wilshire, also from World DAB from the UK, um, Jackie uh, Bierhors from Netherlands, um, and Darren Wilshire. Have I got, mixed myself up? Um, Piers Collins, of course. I should just have looked up, up at the top. Um, my apologies, really, Piers, for that. Um, but yes, welcome to you all, and I'll just hand over to Lynn, who is uh, much the better, the, the expert on this stuff, to facilitate. Thanks. So should be working. <laughs> working now. Okay. Um, morning, everyone. Um, yesterday we were discussing whether the weather followed us or we followed the weather, <laughs> and I think the weather found us. Um, thank you for participating in the panel. Thank you, Deputy Minister, uh, for attending. I think we'll start, I'll just give a bit of background, is that um, worldwide we've, we've come to basically the end of, of FM broadcasts um, due to the fact that there is very little spectrum, spare spectrum available to expand the coverage areas of, of the existing FM stations and also for the introduction of new FM uh, stations. So DAB changes all this. Uh, it is far more spectrum efficient, it is a greener technology, and it will allow us um, to introduce new services that we never could dream of on, on, on FM. So I think I'll, I'll start off with the Deputy Minister, just to give us an idea of the uh, thinking within government and the department. Um, for the introduction of digital radio in South Africa. Should I, should I read my speech or should yes, I? Yes, that's perfect. Okay. You <laughs> like? <laughs> oh, seated. It's fine. <laughs> Thank you for, for assisting me. Thank you, Lynn, for, for the opportunity and let me also recognize Jacqueline, who's here, Jen, Jensen, Darren Will, Wilshire, as well as uh, I saw Nadia Bulbulia. I don't know whether she's still here. Um, let, it, let me recognize the radio stations that are here. Obviously, the voice of Vets and Kaya FM. I, I saw them around. <clears throat> Distinguished guests, ladies and gentlemen. I'm pleased to be part of this very important session and or platform 
And I say this platform because it's important not to flatter you, but because the South African broadcasting system is at a critical point, both from the perspective of infrastructure as well as policy. On the one hand, we are pulling out all the stops to resuscitate the national broadcaster. And on the other hand, we are working around the clock to ensure that we move with speed to ensure that there is policy certainty in the commercial sector. And also we're trying to ensure that we meet our deadlines in order for us to comply with the international standards required for broadcasting. So program director, let me be the first to admit that our hands are full. And as such, government is engaging in platforms such as this which enables us to find each other quickly on policy aspirations and we get to learn from other countries what their experiences have been in terms of rolling out the infrastructure. Radio remains an important platform, important part of South Africa's cultural, social and economic landscape. And every day approximately 76% of the adult population tune into the, the radio stations. Although radio's popularity as measured by its reach and audiences hours, which has been relatively stable over the recent years, radio is changing, like you have just said, Lynn. The radio industry is in the midst of a significant period of transformation driven by a shift in technology to digital and by changes in the way listeners are consuming music and other content. Over the past two years or so, the DAB Plus discussion has featured quite extensively in, in gatherings like this. Correctly so, DAB Plus is a game changer. It provides our citizens with better quality radio and from a government perspective, it helps us broadcast important emergency messages on all channels simultaneously. From the perspective of the consumer, DAB gives listeners access to a broader selection of channels from commercial broadcasters and the SABC. More channels inevitably mean more competition to create the best possible radio content benefiting our listeners. During the trial period which you were engaged in, Lynn, we have seen how radio has been made more accessible. For instance, distance is no longer a factor. The vast and complicated landscape of South Africa are no longer a limitation for broadcasters. The benefits of digital radio are well known and I need to sell them to you, to you here. Of vital importance to us is how will government roll this out and most importantly, will, will we comply with our deadlines? Digital transformation in broadcasting is an enabler for economic growth. It is the cornerstone of future economies. As I have mentioned before, there is no way 
one can talk about the future economy without talking about digital transformation, sectors, companies, and workers. Therefore, digitization cannot be considered just for the sake of it, but it must be considered as a means of making life better for businesses, citizens, and our society. I'm grateful to broadcasters, manufacturers, and other stakeholders across the radio sector and other industries for the support given to ICASA and Centec during the trial period. The next phase of our journey may require all the representatives present here today to contribute with their time and expertise and support the work of government on the rollout of technology and equipment, preparing the market, assisting with the coverage and spectrum planning and joint government radio policy task groups. The needs for listeners drive all of our actions on digital radio. And I would like to encourage consumers to hold and enrich our current policies to help us assist vulnerable groups in society. In essence, I'm saying digital radio should help us answer such questions. Radio broadcasters also need to deal with the issue of fake news. The advent of technology should strengthen journalism and not weaken it. With, the said, with that said, ladies and gentlemen, government will be working closely with anyone who is willing to lend a hand. A speedy and sound implementation of policy requires an integrated approach from everyone in society. And as I conclude, I look forward to our contributions to ICASA's discussion paper on digital audio broadcasting. Without your voice, we are poorer. And without your sound advice, we cannot connect societies. We cannot build South Africa in the image of a united but diverse society. Thank you for this invitation. I eagerly look forward to listening to more podcasts on your deliberations here today and beyond. Thank you very much. Thank you, David Minister. Um, <clears throat> I think for a country that's, that's already completed what we are attempting, uh, Norway, that has basically switched off FM, what was the most important key uh, point that led to the success of uh, what you've accomplished? Uh, thank you. Well, it's, it's not easy to answer very short on that, but I'll, I'll try and, and make some points. Uh, to, when you solve criminal cases, you always say, sort of, follow the money. And when, if you speak about listeners, you can say, follow the content. And that's what we see people do. If you make attractive content in a wide range, the listeners will follow. And that was our plan, to introduce uh, from only five analog FM stations to 31 digital. That makes the, the um, private radio sector grow, because they now have spectrum to broadcast a wider content and it makes our public broadcaster, my radio station, 
the possibility to target uh, a better content. We have a children channel, we have youth channel, and we have elderly channel, because you can't fit all that content into three FM stations. Somebody's got to lose. So now we have enough radio stations, and that is full of the content. That's the short answer. Okay. Thanks. And, and the, one of the critical issues um, that you had to deal with was the uh, motor vehicles. Yes, that's, that, uh, we have to admit it's a challenge because we have five million people in Norway and we have two million cars with no DAB in them. So it is, we have asked the Norwegian population for a big effort to install digital receivers uh, in their cars. Not all of them have done so, but uh, it's, it takes some time, but it's coming uh, and all the new cars are coming with DAB. So that, that has been the, the hardest work with the automotive sector. Thanks. D Darren, perhaps if you could just give us a global overview of DAB, who's gone DAB, um, the availability of receivers, the choice, the sort of costings. Um. Not too much then. <laughs> <laughs> So to sort of recap some of the stats I went through yesterday, so there's 42 countries now with DAB services on air around the world. Um, a lot of those are in Europe, but we're seeing a lot more interest in Asia Pacific with Australia leading the way, but also across that rest of the continent. So in um, Thailand are looking at trials this year, for example. Uh, the Middle East, there's quite a few services on air there. And again, lots of other countries looking at potential. Um, so I think there's around about, or probably more than 470 million people can get DAB services around the world now, which is a really impressive number. And I think we've come an awful long way in the last 10 years or so when, you know, there were four countries in Europe that had services then. Um, to your point about receivers, there's over 68 million sold now, um, and that includes automotive, um, as Jörn was mentioning, which is an incredibly important part. Um, and what we're seeing is more and more countries roll out services, the price of those receivers is really coming down. Um, you can pick up receivers now for around probably the equivalent of 250 rand, thereabouts. Um, but that is a price that every couple of months we see a new receiver on sale somewhere that's another £5, £10 cheaper than that. Um, so that's a really positive development. And then to the automotive side, um, all major car manufacturers now offer DAB in new vehicles, um, which is an incredibly important part of switchover. Um, as Jörn mentioned, half the challenge is converting the existing cars, but starting early and getting the new cars sold with DAB, um, and particularly as standard. So in Norway, uh, the UK, Switzerland, sort of 90% or above of new cars come with DAB just as standard. So the listeners don't even have to request it or pay extra for it, which is great. Um, and Australia is not a million miles behind on 47% and lots of other countries are close as well. So we're seeing, yeah, an awful lot happening in the receiver market. Um, and then to your point on cost, I think that was the last bit you mentioned. Um, there's been quite a lot of research done um, and I'd encourage people to look on the World DAB website to see the full reports. Probably the best one I can point to is one from the European Broadcast Union um, that they did last year where they modelled the cost of transmission for FM, DAB uh, and IP more importantly because that's an increasingly big part of the conversation now. 
Um, and the results were that FM was by far and away the most expensive, DAB is an awful lot cheaper, um, and IP is anywhere in between the two, depending on the size of the audience. Um, but it's a yeah, very detailed piece of work from the EBU that modelled that cost for different size countries and different population sizes as well. So it can apply, yeah, it's not so specific to one country, they've done it, done it as broad as possible. And I think that was all you asked yes, about, yeah, I think. David Mercer? Maybe, Lynn, from, from the experience that you had during the, the trial, um, one of the things, and we need to put the, the South African context uh, for our, our brothers and sisters to understand our situation, that we are predominantly rural, and most of our people in the rural areas rely more on radio. Um, to, to, to connect and get more information. And, and radio has been very effective in informing our people. So one of the elements that we are picking up now, while we are saying automotives have to now uh, switch over into DAB, in rural areas, most people have access to smartphones. But if you look at the South African situation, the app for radio on on a smartphone i think it's it's also yeah. not not free uh, in in the south african situation the the old uh, cell phones have have those radio yeah. facilities but these ones don't have and the discussion now it's around people saying even in south africa like what is happening in other countries because you have that app that, that has the phone, the, the radio, and in our situation it's different. And I think Lynn and them have to start to engage mobile uh, operators to, to look into that element and make sure that that happens yes. over and above what is happening on, on the yeah. mobile. I, I, I fully uh, support that. The, the first um, Mobile phone was launched at, at Radio Days in Paris, uh, an LG Stylus 2 or 3, uh, 2, uh, was launched with a DAB uh, receiver in it. We have one in the country. Once we get the transmitter back up, I will bring it across and you can play with it and see it working. What we've done, if you look at cell phones around the world, how many include an FM receiver? But in South Africa, the t telcos block that capability. So although it's got it in, it is blocked. If you look at the LG website in South Africa, it shows FM radio and DAB plus as a feature of the radio. When you look at the network operators' websites, it's gone. So I think that's a discussion that, that we need to have with the network operators. Um, I think, you know, they may see it as a threat that instead of streaming and them getting data uh, rates from the, um, the user, if they activate the FM receiver and the DAB receiver, people can receive it for free, and, and that is what we want. So I think, you know, looking at that uh, model, and hopefully other cell phones will follow that will have the receiver in. Because if you're walking with a device of your choice, surely it should be able to access uh, that. So 
as soon as we get the child back in, I'll bring the phone and, and you can play with it sure. and see. But we need to entice the telcos to actually activate the features that are in there. A, a small <coughs> comment on that. Uh, we've been working very closely with the telecom uh, industry. And what we see is that they know how to make the phones. The, the LG phone proved that. But they are waiting for the bigger markets. They say when DAB is in the radios, we will launch it. So don't start with the mobile phone. Start with the kitchen radio and the car radio. Then the mobile phone will follow. So it's, it's sort of the other way around. I think, Jacqueline, I, I think Jürgen was saying yesterday that their first entry was in 1995. <laughs> and, and they've just switched off analog. Yeah. Uh, the Netherlands plans of the introduction of DAB. Yeah, they were a lot later. And um, it's quite important that government and broadcasters work together on digitization. And uh, your question before on what is really necessary before you go there is that broadcasters actually believe in a digital future, not only IP-based, but also on broadcast. And uh, I think, listening to what I've heard until today, uh, there's some, still some work to do there, here in South Africa. Because one might think that IP is the future, and it's the only future. So DAB will be a station that you can pass, because it's not necessary. I believe otherwise, and also the, 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 um, the research being done uh, by EBU or other countries, because there's 42 countries investing in DAB, which is not cheap. Of course, it's in the end, when you turn off FM, the distribution is cheaper, you can share costs. But there's a reason why all those countries really invest. And those reasons can also count for this continent eh? for, for, and for South Africa as well. So I think it's important that broadcasters and government find each other because broadcasters might be afraid also for A, competition, or B, um, for, uh, for double costs in distribution for FM dual with DAB. So it might be that, that uh, the government and regulator and broadcasters can find each other in, in, in ways of getting... Uh, it's just an example of where we had yesterday examples on how you can... Uh, get subsidies or other ways to move forward in it temporarily or uh, cross ownership rules that get less important than they are today so they have an incentive to invest in digital so try to understand and try to get the incentives worked out between broadcasters so they talk with one voice to the government so they don't hear like 50 different opinions and therefore don't get along you know you need that and if you back to your question because it's important that was happening in the Netherlands as well before 2011 we had for example FM frequencies with licenses until September until September 20, 2011 so broadcasters started communicating together okay what do we need we want them extended because if you have an auction you don't know what your future will bring uh, and we want to digitize, but how do we do it? How can we do it together? And we started discussing in 2005, 2006, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 
And that led to government conversation out of the commercial broadcasters at first, united in, a com in a, some kind of organization. And that led to a combination between public broadcaster and commercial broadcaster, talking with one voice to the government, the government back to, to them, and then they joined forces. They signed a memorandum of understanding together in which they said, we're going to digitize broadcast spectrum. We're going to digitize spectrum. So it's not only something that has been written down in Geneva one day, like, okay, there's some digital spectrum in band three, but also because television was already actually moved away from band three, so we had multiplexes and ensembles available. And now we're working on that, to do it better and better and better every day. And that started with technically in 2013. And we started to do the marketing in 2014, in May. And now I only have the results until the end of 2017. So that's only three and a half years. And we are very pleased with the name awareness. Four years ago, nobody knew what it was. Name awareness is now 76%. And that is because we collaborated on a marketing campaign. And there I can say a lot of things cars, manufacturers, retailers, all involved in our digital radio Netherlands working group or with an important word, steering board, you know, it's, it's high level. And, uh, but we also have working groups on just oh. practical implementation of digitization and move away the obstacles that are there. But don't think you cannot do it because somebody else will. The spectrum is available and somebody can hire it or obtain for it. Thanks. Uh, Piers, for your group, uh, what has what the, the advent of digital radio done? The advantages? Well, um, I think uh, the UK situation, you know, we, we started off on the journey a long time ago. So, um, we, there's I think the, the, there was, there's, there's very little first mover advantage. I think we've pretty much made most of the mistakes you can make. Um, and unfortunately, um, everyone's kind of looked at poor old UKs um, and, and gone, oh, oh dear, we don't want to do that. <laughs> we'll do, do it a bit better. Um, so so our, our journey's been um, um, quite long and, and uh, as I say, you know, relatively torturous. But um, we now find ourselves in a, you know, in a, in a really fantastic situation um, where the, 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 the structural advantages of DAB um, are really starting to show through for the commercial broadcasters. So obviously we have um, very dominant public service broadcaster in the form of the BBC. Um, in our market, and it's a it's a huge um, player. And previously, in analog, obviously they had the lion's share of the spectrum, and that um, under uh, now under DAB, the the that's flipped completely. So um, the commercial broadcasters actually have more DAB spectrum than than the BBC. Um, a, a wealth of of services that have sprung up through people's um, creativity, targeting specific um, <coughs> niches of, of audience and interest. Um, and recently, the commercial sector um, overtook the BBC in terms of reach, weekly QM, I think you call it here. 
and um, uh, recorded in the last Rajar Sweep its higher ever um, reach figures of all time. So, um, so the UK radio industry is in, in, in a positive um, health and, uh, and has benefited greatly from, from, from DOB. Um, so um, that's our, our experience. And um, in terms of Wireless Group, the company I um, work for, um, maybe just looking at our national um, brands, so we, we have a radio station in the UK called TalkSport. Um, it was one of the three national broadcasters in the UK, commercial broadcasters. Um, and um, on AM, and, and, and obviously DAB's been a fantastic benefit for us in terms of um, uh, sound quality, moving from, from analog to, to digital, from AM to DAB is, 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 a, is a huge difference. Um, but also the the benefit of being able to put up more national services. So we now have TalkSport 2, uh, for instance, and um, given our expertise um, in speech radio as opposed to music radio, um, we've uh, launched a current affairs station, Talk Radio, uh, as, a, as, a, as a new national um, DAB service. Um, and um, we've also brought back Virgin Radio uh, to the UK Airwaves. So um, all of that means that we now reach more people nationally than we ever done. With, uh, so, so we've seen a great benefit from, from DAB. Thank you. David Minister? Yeah. Just throwing lessons from what Jacqueline was saying, and I think it's a it's 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 sharing codes of good practices from from yourself because you're saying there should be a broader consultation, and we must take everybody along. We have the public broadcaster, we have commercial broadcasters and community radio stations, and all of us must understand the path we want to move as we go into TAB. And I think that aspect is very important because you know, Lynn, between me and you, that sometimes change is it's, it's, it's taken in another light. People feel threatened. What is the future of our, our radio stations and so on? And even if we are bringing uh, better service and quality service, People must own up, up to that and be part of, of the whole process. That's what we are saying. But also, there should be an engagement, Lynn. Uh, we have the regulator in CASA, but we also have CENTEC. If DAB comes into the picture, what becomes the future of CENTEC? Uh, because if you look at the CENTEC today, and how and I'll talk on behalf of community yeah. radio stations because they have a challenge of revenue and all other things and all of them are saying um, we want own uh, we want to play at another level and no longer to to be using Centec and these are institutions of government how do we look into the bigger picture so that uh, as technology advances it doesn't bring unintended consequences. And we, we should be able to say, how do we redefine and reposition 
Centec in the context of, of uh, us moving digital and what becomes its role and relevance. So those kind of uh, engagements, and I'm, I'm taking it from what Jacqueline was saying, because they looked at the totality of issues and say, uh, what is in it for us, all of us, as, as, as various components of, of society. Yeah. Yeah. I think in, in, in South Africa during the trial, um, Sadiba and the NAB collaborated and we, we set up a working group and um, Centec was part of the, that working group and the trial that we've done was with Centec. So I think in, in no way does this threaten Centec. Um, I think broadcasters in South Africa um, thinking is signal distribution is expensive, what is the option? Um, is there some other player that could provide the signal distribution? Um, but that's not to say that if someone else was licensed that people will move away from Centec. Um, if Centec is offering a good service at a reasonable price and they are a known entity, you remain with them. Um, I think broadcasters are not thinking that they can also do signal distribution. The broadcasters are quite focused on doing what they should be doing and that Centec provides the service. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think this threatens Centec at all. I think for the large number of years, the, the FM broadcast would still continue. Uh, so, in fact, for a period of time, Centec may see a new revenue stream that they never had before. Uh, Jackie? Yeah, amongst others, what you can discuss. Um, of course, I'm just I'm 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 not aware of all the rules that are here. But for example, the difference between Belgium and the Flemish part compared to the Netherlands is that in the Netherlands, the license of the broadcast, the digital broadcast license, was given to the broadcasters. In Flanders, the digital license was given to an operator, a network operator, so a DAB network operator, which is different. No, so um, this is already something you can, yeah. depending on how the legislation is in a country, you can do it this way or that way. And that makes a difference in how a broadcaster perceives the costs of distribution through DAB+, mm -hmm. because that has an impact on the topology. Because once an operator chooses for you, you have to take it or leave it in a way. Yeah. that can lead up to quite some tense and very uncertain situations on, on embracing DAB+. But it can also be otherwise. So this is, I'm not saying how you should do it, but there's different ways, different ways on doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I just reiterate our, from our experience as well, as a broadcaster, it's been very important to be involved as a multiplex operator as well. Um, so that you know, our voices and our concerns and our, you know, objectives are, are fed into the design of the network and, and the coverage it's, it's producing and um, the technology um, that is being used so that the costs are controlled um, and, and, you know, the, the broadcasters who are on that network have um, influence in, 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 in the the key bit components of it, so coverage and cost and performance. Thanks. I think yesterday John alluded to the fact that broadcasters must retain their spectrum 
And I think the, the feeling among broadcasters in South Africa is, is, is also that you, know, that, that you retain access to the spectrum. Because as soon as the spectrum becomes the property of the signal distributor, you lock to them. Because wherever you go, you don't have spectrum. So I think you know, this, this will be thrashed out during these deliberations at the hearings next week. The development of the policy uh, would take all these into consideration. But and just maybe one final point on, on, you know, as you work through the, the regulatory framework and the licensing framework, um, you know, it's, what comes out of that and the one that is chosen is at, will be absolutely crucial. You know, the whole industry, the, the shape of the industry will, will hang off the foundations of, of that regulation. Um, and, um, you know, I think Ofcom... Um, We'd, we'd commend Ofcom in the UK for, for you know, getting the regulatory incentives right, really, um, for broadcasters. And, um, and yes, where, where there have been unintended consequences, they are now trying to reverse those. Thank you. Um, we're basically out of time. Uh, are there any questions from the floor? Just indicate if you want a specific person to answer or the panel. Hi, um, my name is Max. I'm from Jacaranda FM. Uh, Deputy, this is to you. Um, I know that there's been talk about the fourth industrial revolution. It's coming, it's here. Uh, and there's something that is worrying me, and that manufacturers of these radios aren't here. And I want to know, especially in our context as a country, why isn't anyone talking about creating these radios locally and then providing them to the rest of SADC? Because we have Sediba, it's there. We have the, 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 the skills, and I think we have the means. It's just that we need the will to do it. Thank you. Do we still take yeah, other questions? I think you can, you can answer that. Huh? Okay. Thank you, uh, our colleague from... Chakaranda FM. I think one of the things that we pride ourselves with as South Africa is an enabling environment we have created. While we're talking of the fourth industrial revolution, we're also talking about uh, the, the grant that has been put together in manufacturing, uh, which we wanted everybody to access through the DTI on people who are innovative, who can be able to access that. The, we are learning lessons from the process of the set of boxes, how we have lost an opportunity as South Africa, because if we could have been first to set up the industrialization and manufacturing of set of boxes, we could have been better positioned to even supply SADC for instance, when they started to migrate. Unfortunately, they migrated even before us. We're calling upon those who are able to manufacture, because this, uh, this uh, fund that has been put together for industrialization in the DTI, and people like you must come together and say, now that you are moving into uh, digitizing radio, Let's see that being uh, manufactured locally, and then you go into the DTI process 
and then do that. Because that's a platform that government has created, Black Industrialists Program. So it's an opportunity that we have to leverage and make sure that people do that. Thank you. Michael? Uh, thank you. Uh, I, I think most of the South Africans are now a little bit worried. Uh, especially that uh, minister, uh, deputy minister, we are still uh, asking us about the future of Centec. Because in the light of the fact that we had a trial, uh, I think the government should have been part or sanctioned that trial. And uh, the outcomes of that trial should be giving us a, a little bit of a direction. As much as we might be having a concern of the trial, which was talking to NAB and leaving out the National Committee Radio Forum, which has got a real uh, interest in the whole future of the, 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 the migration. Also, uh, the fact that we are still after 2010 to 2018, we are still talking about the regulatory framework. It should be a big cause for concern because we have been since 2010 saying we're migrating, we're migrating. Uh, to my understanding is that the regulatory framework should have been the, the real basis for the migration. But now if we're saying uh, almost eight years later, we are still have to put some, some contribution into the regulatory framework. It's really a cause for concern. I think we are also concerned about the fact that the deputy minister is saying we left the bus for the SADC, which we should have been in control of that. What made us to, to have the SADC migrating before us? If South Africa is really a, the, the economic driver of the SADC, therefore it means there's something we're not doing right. And why are we sleeping? When are we waking up? Maybe just to, just to come in on that one. And we, we must admit where uh, the challenges were. Remember, the delay around migration was not on, the blame must not be put on government only. There were also some court cases that are still even on, and, and there's no way. We are a constitutional democracy, and if people are uh, not happy with the process and government and private sector and our, uh, our ICASA and them are taken to court. We have to respect the rule of law and make sure that that, that happens. So that has been part of the delay on the issue of the migration. And if you, you can go into what the minister said during her, her uh, budget speech. She, she also indicated that we now need to put together a team of experts that can assist us to look into this thing of migration differently. That's on the one hand. But on the other hand, especially on the piloting or the trial around DAB+, if you look at that whole thing, it was Sidiba, it was the SABC, it was ICASA, it was Centex. So it was government at the center of the whole thing. So once the trial results come 
and we're able to look at some of these things. We, we, that's why we're saying, now let's, let's be closer to the process of engaging on this radio uh, policy uh, framework that, that is being put together, the policy engagement and the task team that has been there. We have learned lessons on the delays around the, the migration on, on DTT, and surely we can't be found flat-footed on this one. And that's why we have engagement and learning lessons from other countries so that we are able to move. And, and we, we cannot put our heads in the sand and not admit on, on the challenges around the delay of the DTT. We have to say it and even say, given going forward, we have to move, move with the speed of a lightning. But also say, um, we, we, we can now not delay now, and that's the minister's words. We cannot delay on the issue of the spectrum and then and the rollout on DTT. And we need expert capacity that can assist us to, to move faster. And once that happens, then the DAB process also happens. The digi digitization around radio should also happen. And that's why towards the end of this month, we have a bigger forum in, of all community radio stations that will be coming under one roof, talking to the minister on how they think the digital process should also uh, work out, including uh, improving uh, all the things that and the support that we are giving to community radio. So we, we, we are putting our hands on the deck and making sure that we reach out to community radio so that they move with speed around, around those things. So come end of July, we'll be together under one roof and dealing with some of those things. Thank you. Thank you. I think we've basically run out of time. Um, I thank the Deputy Minister, Jan, Pierce, Jacqueline and Darren. Um, thank you very much. Give them a round of applause.